whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode 29. My name is Dan Frost. As always, supported by the best panel in the business tonight. Uh, it's just me and you, Alicia, are tackling this one. No Tasha tonight, but um, yeah, that won't stop us from having a little bit of fun. Uh, I'm going to throw the question straight at you um, because, you know, there's always drama happening in the NRL uh, every week, regardless of whether we're in the preseason or not. You know, thinking about all the teams in the comp, who do you think's sort of, who do you think's got the biggest challenge ahead in, in season 2022? Well, firstly, can I just say, I feel like this is payback from Tasha because I wasn't on last week. So I do apologise because I was a bit crook. But now she's she's ditching it and it's the Sharks. Aren't they her team? Or she's got a few teams, doesn't she, Tash? Yeah. She's Pay her a, out here. <laughs> she definitely, uh, she definitely supports a few teams, but uh, no, definitely, definitely a little bit salty she couldn't make tonight. But uh, yeah. That's so. all right. We'll miss her. All right. Um, question. Okay. Penrith. I've gone with Penrith for this um biggest challenge and some of you might think well like they're the premiers why would they have the biggest challenge but we all know how hard it is to back up and I just think for me towards the end of the the year when they did win the competition this year they hit the finals and obviously they were awesome defensively like not taking anything away but I think when it came to their attack they were found out like they got caught out a bit and they were um, I wouldn't say predictable but we all know that teams pick pick apart attack pretty easily, you know, after a year. So they need to go to another level. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge and um, I guess determine whether they're going to finish in the top four again and try and defend their trophy or they're either going to, you know, slide bottom of the bottom of the eight, um, which I think would be a pretty um, sad sort of finish to what's been a great two years for them. So um, yeah, I think they've got the biggest challenge ahead just in terms of trying to stay on top. We know how hard that is for really successful teams and clubs, and we've seen the Roosters and Melbourne do it for so long. So it's just a matter of, I guess, um, whether they can put all these distractions behind them. Players have moved on. They've lost about six players from their premiership winning side. Um, and, yeah, I think it's about, you know, how how soon Nathan Cleary gets back on the field from his shoulder. Um, obviously, that's going to play a really big part. But if even if he does miss a few extra rounds um, to start the year, then that's also going to put them on the back foot a little bit. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's probably the biggest challenge in the whole competition because teams have got their issues. But I think in terms of, like, that top echelon of sides, Penrith are definitely have got a whole new challenge that they, they haven't, they're not used to. Yeah, absolutely. No, you you definitely uh, covered it there, and I, and I think that that's that's where they need to go. They need to work out whether they're going to be a Melbourne, whether they're going to be a Sydney Roosters, because you know those clubs have been able to you know lose their players after they win a premiership, like all clubs do, and um, and certainly find a way to uh, to stay on top. Yeah, and just quickly on that as well, I think the Cowboys tried to you know retain all their players. Um, and it sort of went pear shaped because they lost a couple of players. You know, Brandon Smith, Billy Kickow, Kalen Ponger trying to keep their premiership winners together. So, um, yeah, and, and try and play that same style that won them the competition, and it just didn't work for the next few years because they just had no, no extra gear to go. So, 
yeah, it's going to be really intriguing next year. Yeah, hundred percent agree. They um, they've definitely they let a couple of players go, and the key for Penrith is going to be their juniors. Any Penrith supporters out there, that's going to be the key. Keep an eye on the on the junior junior teams. Haven't played a lot of lot of football with COVID, but yeah, keep an eye on reserve grade. Um, that's definitely going to be the answers for Penrith over the next few years. Uh, look, for me, thinking about some of the biggest challenges, uh, you know, going to have to go with my team, the Newcastle Knights. Again, you know, typically there's always something happening in and around us every preseason, but this one's pretty big. I, I think our big challenges are, number one, we really need to secure Kalen Ponga. Obviously, he's got a few player options in there. So, you know, I, I sort of I throw that out up front because it kind of changes the way in which you would not rebuild, but but rebuild this club, you know, because you've almost got to look for sort of easy wins to kind of retain Kalen Ponga. Um you know, in an ideal world, you'd sort of, you know, bring in a few juniors and kind of build it the, for, for the longer term, five to ten year period. But, you know, unfortunately, the Knights are in a situation where they're going to have to win pretty early and start the season red hot um, to try and keep Kalen. And that's the thing. Like, we all know rugby league. It's going to be in the headlines for the whole year. Like, until Kalen actually makes a decision about his future. And, yeah, he can say, I'm still at the club until 2024. But when you've got PO next to your player option, you know, the years then people are going to ask the question for the entire 12 months. Like, it's just going to drag on. Can the Knights sort of, um, I guess, handle that off-field speculation? That's going to be key. Yeah, no, it's going to be really important. And and, and I guess that leads to their next biggest challenge, and that's the number seven jersey, obviously with Mitchell Pearce uh, leaving. So, you know, for me, I think the the starting halves next year will be Adam Clune um, and Jake Clifford. Uh, Is it ideal? I I don't necessarily think so. I think Adam's more of a a bridge halfback. You know, he'll obviously be able to hold down the fort, but... You know, it'll be really interesting to see what Newcastle do in and around behind the scenes. You know, are they sort of looking for a longer-term replacement there? You know, you've heard names such as Scott Drinkwater sort of pop up in recent times. But, you know, again, it would really be uh, good to kind of look at some juniors. And the other thing, too, is they've got a few players that they really need to sort out and make a decision on. They're sort of giving me Jack Cogger, Brock Lamb vibes in terms of the likes of Tex Hoy, you know, Phoenix Crossland, there comes a point where you're either going to make it or you're not, and you've really got to make a decision. Otherwise, you start to block the pathways for some of those younger players. So, you know, the Knights have really got to sort out what they're doing with Tex and Phoenix. So if that means starting Adam in in reserve grade and giving these younger guys an opportunity just to see what they're about, um, you know, that could also be an option for the Knights. We're probably, I think we're going to cover the Knights in the next couple of weeks, but definitely um, I think for them it's it's a make or break year because if they don't, improve on their seventh spot finish. Um, You know, they've obviously finished there twice in a row in the last couple of years, which is great compared to where they once were. But if they can't kick on from here, like I'm expecting a few other players to, to, uh, to sign elsewhere and move on. Like I just think they're, they're little windows now. Um, And unfortunately Mitchell Pierce is possibly the start of a, of people departing. So they've really got to try and, um, I guess nail nail down some sort of combination and then move from there, try and lift themselves up a bit higher on the ladder. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, uh, Alicia, we're going to be talking through the Cronulla Sharks. Now, yeah, recapping and reflecting on this season, there was almost like stories within stories. Um, You know, every month there seemed to be sort of a different situation happening uh, there at Cronulla. Um, 
I guess let's take it back to obviously the change in coach because I guess all a lot of the storylines sort of start there. Um, yeah, talk us through that because you know a lot of people were quite critical of you know obviously moving on John Morris. It was it was a big decision to make, and um, yeah, I guess the question is was was it the right one? We started pretty slowly. You know, Cronulla for me they always start the year quite slow and then they, they pick up as they go. And this was the case. Like they'd only won two of their first, uh, what was it, five games with, with John Morris in charge. And um, a lot of people were calling for him to, to be re-signed. So I think it was a pretty big shock to the system when the news did filter through that that he would be pretty much on his way effective immediately. Um, you know, that, to say that that was a turning point in their season, like – did it ruin their season? I, I'm not too sure because they, they got on a bit a little bit of a run after. I mean, they, they dropped their first for four or five under John, Josh Henne, but then they sort of strung five or six together. So, um, look, it definitely disrupted them early on, but I think they were able to pick up um, pick up where they left off, but just so inconsistent. You know, it, it's hard to get a, a read on Cronulla, even moving into next season. I'm... Um, I think they showed good signs with their outside backs, but um, they were waiting as well for Sean Johnson to get back, which obviously he's on his way to the Warriors now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fill that gap. And they're in a bit of a changing period. There's no doubt about it. You've got Craig Fitzgibbon coming on board. Um, so I feel like the 2021 season for them was written off pretty pretty quickly, but I feel like they also had a, a bit of, I guess, unfinished business to go through as well. They're definitely a club that lacked an identity, uh, you know, and I guess for me it was sort of the, the change in personnel was definitely a part of it. But week in, week out, they just didn't play the same style of football. It was it was quite unique. And, yes, the, the big signing of Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, you know, really exciting times for uh, fans, you know, in the Shire. You know, this is, a, this is a, uh, a, a I guess, an up-and-coming coach that has sort of been linked to quite a few jobs and he's jumped at this opportunity. But, you know, I, I guess one of the things, Alicia, off the top is he has been able to attract a lot of new talent into the club um, and, and individually they're great players, but yeah, just not exactly sure as to whether that's necessarily going to fix a lot of their immediate issues um, in the short term. Yeah. And I think he's coming from the Roosters who obviously know the systems pretty well and, you know, very defensive sort of orientated um, club and he was their defense coach. So he's going to bring that to Cronulla, which they once were that great defensive side, you know, probably didn't score as many points as what they would like, but defensively you knew that you were in for a bit of a fight with them. So I think he'll bring that back to Cronulla, which is one thing that they have done is leak a lot of points in recent time. Um, but I know he didn't sign Cameron McInnes. He, he signed after McInnes um, signed. But, um, you know, the, the players that and will go through it, like it's such a weird balance of the squad. Um, it really is. You know, yeah, it, it's it's that's the only word I can think of is weird because there's some signings there that, you know, players are already in that position and, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a really intriguing sort of year, I think, again for Cronulla, but I, I just don't see, there's no clear picture in my head as to where they're headed at the moment. Yeah, and I think if you speak to most people, uh, you know, in terms of laying out a 1-17 to 17 for season 2022, I, I think you're going to get different uh, team lists, but we'll do our very best to try and uh, piece this puzzle together. Um, let's start with fullback, uh, Will Kennedy, uh, Alicia Clearly, the best player last season. Um, you know, obviously, you know when when you when you think about some of the the key positions on the field. You know, fullback obviously such an influential role. 
you know, they were able to, you know, get, get him at a great price. You know, he's not a million-dollar player. That comes with its benefits as well. But, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I guess the salary, you know, his background, where he's coming from, outstanding season for Will. And, yeah, a, a really good pick up there for Cronulla. Yeah, he was. Like, he's obviously had a bit of a taste um, in first grade, but really sort of hit his straps and got confident. Um, you know, he had 14 tries this, uh, 15 line breaks. So he was he was well in that that attacking back line, um, and like deservedly so was ended up being player of the year. I think he he's a guy that you can definitely um, build your attack around. Um, they've obviously got options there as well with Nico Hines coming on board. Um, I know he's signed as a half, but he's also that that fullback option if you wanted. There was some talk at one point that Will Kennedy might move into the halves. Um, obviously, that's probably not going to be ha- happening now, but. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy for Will because I think the year before he struggled a little bit, so it's nice to see him back to some form this year. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think he will hold down that spot. And that's where things get very, very interesting for Cronulla because now, I mean, I guess depth is a good thing. You know, you, obviously you have quite a few injuries come your way. Cronulla are going to be in a position to be able to adjust and, and, and sort of follow that, but it does make it pretty challenging uh, for fans uh, as we try and look at, you know, what the halves would be. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to put you on the spot here in terms of your preferred halves pairing. I'm going to give you mine to start with. For me, I think, you know, Nico Hines has got to play 5-8. I think I'm actually a little bit nervous about that move, to be honest, moving into the halves, but certainly I'd be more anxious about him moving to halfback and completely controlling the football team. So I feel like 5-8 is probably, you know, an easier transition for Nico. So I have him there at 6 and look, for me, I, I think you've got to go with one of the younger halves. I, I think you've got to go with Braden Trindle uh, there at halfback. You've got to invest in a young half just because it's his natural position. He got some experience last year. And to be honest, I don't see another out-and-out halfback. And I feel like we're really just trying to force talented players into these positions where it's not so much a natural fit. So um, I have players like Matt Moyle and Connor Tracy, you know, probably, you know, being depth players, probably starting the season in reserve grade. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts? Yeah, what's your what's your preferred halves um, heading into next year? No, I agree with you in that, that halves pairing. I'm so intrigued by the Nico Hines signing. Like, don't get me wrong, he was out outstanding for Melbourne at fullback. You know, he there was one point there where we were talking about whether Ryan Pappenhausen will get his fullback jersey back, Um but the thing for me is, like, Nico Hines obviously come onto the scene. You know, he's in his mid-20s. He's played halves all his junior career. So, like, why hasn't he been on the scene earlier? Like, for me, I'm like, has he? he's obviously untested in the NRL in the halves, like, on a consistent week-in, week-out basis. So that's where I'm a little bit hesitant as to, okay, he's moving to Cronulla on such a big money deal. Is he going to live up to what? what we want him to. Is he going to replicate what he did at Melbourne, but in a five eights role? Like it's such a different ball game. And like, that's not to, you know, hope he doesn't. I hope he absolutely kills it. But I just, I'm just not convinced at the moment that he's going to go out there and, and be the answer for Cronulla. I think they need a little bit more. Obviously, Sean Johnson is a massive loss for them in the halves. He was their creator. Um, I feel like they moved away from Chad Townsend pretty quickly once he moved to the Warriors. But um, you know, that's where Braden Trindle, he did get a few games towards the end of this year um, and did pretty well. Um, he needs to go to another level. You know, if it is Nico Hines and him in the, in, and Braden Trindle in the halves, then they, they both need to sort of form this combination. But, yeah, I mean... Am I wrong to be a little bit hesitant about no, Nico? Look, I don't know. I, like, I, think, I think it's a difficult spot for, for Nico, you know, and, and I think this is where a lot of people are a little bit anxious. You know, if he was... 
you know, going into another position, maybe up there in Brisbane with, with an established half like Adam Reynolds, great. You know, you're feeling quite confident because you know that your halves partner is going to be able to take up, you know, half the load. Whereas in this situation, Braden's still a young footballer. You feel like Nico is going to have to take the majority of it, and that's where I start to get nervous. Completely different, you know, if he's mm-hmm. an established NRL half. But, yeah, look, it's going to, going to be one to watch. And, you know, again, Matt Moylan, he's a very, very interesting player. Um, I know he listens to, to this episode. He listens to Mojo Sports. He'll probably be a little bit filthy that <laughs> he didn't get the starting spot. Um, but, no, in all seriousness, talented player. But, again, injuries and a few different things. I think it's going to be um, interesting to watch him as well. One area that, again, has has a little bit of, of, of strange uh, depth is around the hooker lock position as well. Alicia, it gets just as confusing as we look through there because you look at their hooking position and you think Blake uh, Braley, you know, obviously he is a very talented young player. I, I do have a little bit of a concern that we are starting again to move away from the 80-minute hooker because we're starting to see them gas out under the new rules you know, 50 sort of tackles and not really offering a lot in attack. Cronulla have struggled with their attack. I wonder whether he needs a little bit of support there. So you've got Blake there. And then in the lock position, you've obviously got your two star signings coming in in Cam McInnes and Dal Finucane. Can you please try and un- <laughs> can you try and make sense of this? Uh, you know, who's going to be your hooker? Who's going to be your lock heading into 2022? It's interesting about Blake Braley because, you know, we look at the speed of the rock. And, and you look for Blake Braley to me is that player that would jump out of dummy half and he's the guy that you want to to have the, the defense on the back foot, but he probably just doesn't do it enough consistently. Then again, you've got Cameron McInnes, who to me is a lot more of a sort of defensive player, but he's coming off an ACL injury, which we all know it's really hard to sort of find your feet straight away. So I'm expecting him to probably like go to a bench role just to start with, um, come on and play that middle role, almost like a Brandon Smith does at Melbourne when Finucane was in the 13 jersey. So he'd, for me, McInnes at the moment be the odd one out, and that's purely just because he's coming off injury. I know he's absolutely feeling it at training, and um, you know, he did an interview the other day where his, his knee was really, really good, which is great to hear, but I just think that they should ease him back into it. Um, Finucane... You know, we know what he brings. I think that he's there to just tighten up that defence and get the attitude back in that Cronulla Sharks forward pack that probably has been lacking just that greediness and willing to work. Um, so, yeah, that's how I'd go. I'd stick with Blake Braley at hooker um, and then have Cam McInnes and Dale Finucane sort of in that rotating 13 role. Yeah, no, I, I think that's going to work quite well. I, I think the the ability to to sort of bring Cam in for Dale, I, I think that's really really solid. I just still have some concerns in around Blake being an eighty minute player, but um, you know, I, I think he knows that. I think the club know that, and that's something they're going to work through. Um, no, definitely, definitely interesting. And then let's move uh, forward now to the forward pack because again, you know, a very interesting group where you, you know. You're starting to see, I guess, the next gener- the next generation come through. Obviously, you've had Paul Gallen. You know, he's he's long gone from the Cronulla Sharks. You can see things as things are changing there at the club. Um, but you know, th- th- there's there are still a few question marks here, Alicia. So obviously, you've got Andrew Fafita after what was a terrifying injury. All the, all the things that he's been through. Wade Graham, obviously, we know uh, his background and some of the challenges he's going through. I guess my takeaway here is that. You know, a lot of these younger forwards that have shown talent, such as Talakai, Hamanuele, Nikora, Rudolph, these guys have really got to take that next step in their career, and hopefully they can do that under Craig Fitzgibbon. Yeah, absolutely. I think the time is now for them. They've had a couple of years under their belt each. They know how it rolls. Um, they're probably used and suit the the new style of the game, that, that speed game um, around the rock. Um, 
you know, I, I guess it's just a matter of how Cronulla want to play and, and how quickly um, they use, I guess, their outside backs. Like for me, Cronulla's strengths are their outside backs. I thought they were really, really good um, earlier this year and their forward pack just sometimes would show up and then other times wouldn't. Um, and, you know, some of the guys have left now, um, but you've got, you know, you still got the, the Toilers, obviously, and your Aiden Tolmans, but you need those guys like your Royce Hunts and Toby Rudolph to really, I guess, just explode onto the scene and give them that forward impact that just hasn't been around. We don't know what Andrew Fafita is going to come back and how he's going to play. Is he going to be hesitant? Um, and to be honest, he probably hasn't made a lot of impacts in the last, you know, 12 months, 18 months anyway. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting around that forward pack dynamic. But at the same time, like if they don't fire, then their halves, you know, that's when your Nico Hines is going to struggle in the halves. It's when Braden Trindle doesn't have enough time to to move the ball around. So, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty interesting. But I think Cronulla's forward pack is changing slowly, but it's it's also it's pretty strong. Like it is a strong forward pack, but they've yeah. just got to sort of find the right click. Absolutely. And just a quick tip on where you'll where you see them finishing next year. I want them outside the eight. Um, actually, I'd, I'd probably have them in like 11th or 12th. Um, I just, my fear is that that halves pairing isn't going to fire and they're going to just struggle in terms of trying to find some points. Um, yeah, without Sean Johnson um, in the halves there and, yeah, I just uh, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. I, I hate to agree with you there, but uh, I've got 12th as well. And I think, you know, go out and sign a – you know, an, an experienced, outstanding halfback like every club almost is trying to do, and, and you're certainly back in the back in the equation for the top eight. But without that, I think a little bit too much pressure on Nico Hines. And look, they have to do more with the football. You know, this is a team that really struggled to score points, and you know they have always been that gritty, physical football team that they have to they have to start scoring some points. And um, you know, we saw Nico flash, uh, you know, obviously for the Storm, and hopefully he can bring a little bit there for Cronulla. But look, overall, um, you know, it's going to be obviously a, a different. A different year under Craig Fitzgibbon. Uh, I think fans are going to have to be a little bit patient. It might be a bit of a slow start, but hopefully towards the back end of the season, they can be you know, somewhat in contention for the finals and shock a few people. But yeah, definitely some interesting storylines. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be following them closely. All right, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to match we've got an absolute uh, beauty in terms of a clash uh, Alicia we're going to have a look at the Parramatta Reels now and the two players that we're going to uh, I guess the two players are going to go toe-to-toe is Regan Campbell Gillard and Junior Paulo battle of battle of the battle of the big boys uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Regan RCG you know he, he's definitely got an interesting story because you know uh, you know you talk to a lot of people about forwards in the NRL and typically they don't tend to hit their straps, you know, become their, their best selves and until they're sort of late 20s. That's certainly the case with, with RCG, you know, a player who really has, um, you know, gone the long way around and really put in the hard work to, I guess, achieve what he has in his career. Yeah, and I, uh, fun fact, I actually went to school with Regan um, when I was younger in high school and he, he then moved on um, to bigger and better things, but he wasn't, he didn't really play league at all. He was more like a swimmer and um, did athletics. Like he was a real late bloomer. I don't even think he played much rep footy with Harold Matthew SG Ball. So it's pretty pretty astonishing that he could then, I guess, work work his backside off and, and get into first grade, um, discover league, you know, sort of late. He did play league, but he just probably wasn't as good as what we see with other younger juniors. So 
Um, yeah, and and I think you know Reggie played for Australia. What was it, twenty sixteen? Like it was a few years ago now, and obviously that turning point for him came. You know, he signed that massive deal with Penrith, um, and he, he said it himself he get, just got too comfortable and. Um, then he broke his jaw, you know, I think it was against the Roosters and he just wasn't himself after that. He he played a bit of origin footy. He was turning his back a lot into tackles, um, which was a sign that he was, you know, just not willing to sort of, I guess, put his body on the line completely from a front on angle and he got targeted a bit. So, yeah, he's had a pretty pretty wild journey. But I thought this year he, he really sort of got back to his best footy and just knew what worked for him and, um, you know, he's now one of the, I guess, the more, more consistent front rowers in the game. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I guess a move is, is, is just great for your career. You know, obviously we, we get quite sentimental around, the, you know, our one club players and, and that's great to see. But, you know, there just comes a point in your career where, you know, it, it just makes sense for all parties. And that was definitely the situation with Regan. And, you know, th- there was a little bit of that in and around the Penrith club back in that time. You know, there were a few players that probably did need to move on and work quite at their best. But, um, yeah, no, in terms of where he, where he is at the moment, I mean, 28 years of age, 115 kilos, the guy, you know, in, in terms of him as an athlete, he, he's something special and he continues to, to put in the work. But, um, you know, I, I guess for me, it was really interesting to watch those struggles after he broke the jaw earlier on in his career because it just, I guess it, it just reminds you that confidence is such a, an important part of being a, a premier front rower in the competition and it can just leave you so quickly. Um, I, I guess for us, you know, talk to us a little bit about, I guess, what your thoughts are with him heading into the future with, with Parramatta. Obviously, there's just so much pressure on this yeah. club. It is an absolute pressure cooker. And RCG, he's right in the middle of it because, you know, not, not only are fans expecting him to play at an elite level, but we're talking we're talking that expectation week in, week out for him moving forward now as a leader in this club. Yeah, and he's just signed that two- or three-year extension again. So he's basically in the exact same position he was at Penrith when he did start to get a bit complacent. So it's going to be really interesting um, and talking to him previously in interviews, like he's really happy at Parramatta. The changes work wonders for him. Brad Arthur, you know, is really on his case. Um, but as we know, like things can change down the track, you know, changing coach, you never know what could happen. Um, you know, coach is then turned off you and like think things just happen, right? So um, it's really important, I think, for, for Reg to just be loving his footy. That's when he plays his best. Um, but yeah, like he's matured. I think, you know, as you mentioned, he's 28. He's coming into his prime really for front rowers and um, I think he's found a good front row partner, which we'll get into next, um, who they sort of work together really, really well. I think that's the key for him too. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it's pretty important. And, and I think, you know, I, I guess representative honours are still not off the table for RCG. I, I think he can definitely definitely get back there. In, in fact, he's, he's always in and around the conversation lately, but you know, it, it is a d- difficult forward pack to get back into in terms of New South Wales. Obviously, with Daniel Saifidi, you know, doing his thing, leading the way, that's really the benchmark at the moment. But, um, you know, I, I think if you talk to him, you know, re- regardless of, you know, uh, I, I guess the challenges of the last few seasons when it comes to representative football, he'll want to get back there. And, and I'd love to see it because I feel like if he can get back to his absolute best and be playing for New South Wales, uh, that's mm-hmm. only great signs for the Parramatta Eels. All right, well, we talk about uh, tough competition. Let's flip it over tonight to see who his, uh, who his competitor is, and that is Junior Paulo. Alicia, you talk about some of the storylines in and around Regan, um, just as interesting when it comes to Junior because he's had some journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
I think when all these new rules got introduced with the six again and that, we actually thought, oh, no, like how's a guy like Junior Paulo going to adjust? Like how's he going to bring that that next level to his game where he's such a such a big guy? How's he going to become that mobile forward that keeps up with the pace? But he's just taken it in his stride. And, you know, he went down to Canberra, um, obviously had that first in at Parramatta, moved down to Canberra, um, played pretty well, I thought, but just um, – I think he he did get a little bit complacent down there as well. His weight, I think he blew out at one point as well. Um, Knew he needed to come back to Sydney, landed back at Parramatta, and he's just gone to another level. You know, suddenly he is one of those elite props. You talk about Daniel Safidi earlier, but Junior Paul is right next to him, you know, in that New South Wales origin side. And the big thing for me and Junior is, like, his ability to offload that ball, you know, he's he's just keeping that second phase play going and it's – um, it's pretty pretty dangerous. He's just gone from one of those forwards that has size to, to a guy that you actually are worried about with a bit of footwork and, and can keep that ball alive. Yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with his mobility in the middle uh, last season. Again, 100% with you in terms of the rule changes. You, you immediately look at your team, you know, who you follow, and you're like, okay, who's – Who's a who, you know who's one of our forwards that's going to be targeted you know in, under these new rules and uh, you know Junior's ability to kind of adjust to that and and, and play at such a frenetic pace was um, you know really really impressive and I think you know one of the things that stands out with Junior as well is his consistency because that is not a term that you would use for Junior in, in some of his earlier days of football you know whether it's dating back to Parramatta even at Canberra you know he'd go through monthly slumps but you know he's in a position now where I think he understands you know what it means to be a professional what it means to be a leader. Um, and that that's you know displaying his football. You know, sometimes you know he'll have a he'll have an odd uh, poor game, but um, you know he's certainly in a position now to call himself one of the I, I guess one of the one of the best forwards in the competition. Um, but you know, really important that he maintains that. I mean, it's not easy. You know, he's six foot six foot two, hundred and twenty three kilos. Um, you know, I think he has a lot of interest outside of football as well. You know, he's an absolute athlete, but um, yeah, going to be really interesting to see. Um, you know, if he's able to maintain and if not take his game to a new level. Uh, next year all right let's uh no sitting on the fence when it comes to to the match i know this is a tricky one two great players but um yeah where are you going in this one alish oh this is hard um oh i like i like reg i think he has a few more minutes in him um i like his aggression uh, what it was against newcastle that he in that finals where he absolutely murdered us and it was just like like that's what you want every week in week out from Reg, and I think if he plays like that for the next few years, like he's he's going to get back into that representative scene. Um, yeah, so he he was on the verge just from memories, on the verge to make New South Wales debut, and I know he did it in the end, but then he broke his jaw. Like he was in that career best form. There's no reason why he can't after this season get back into that um, next year. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, no, that's a good call. He's got a higher ceiling than Junior, that's for sure. At, at his best, he he plays better than Junior, there's no doubt. It's just, you know, he's just got to narrow the gap between his best and worst, and, uh, you know, definitely, uh, he can definitely sort of do that next year. But, I, look, I've got to go with Junior just because of his consistency. Um, you know, what I'd like to see a little bit more from him is is some of the leadership. Um you know, I feel like, you know, whenever there's issues with this Parramatta club, obviously Brad Arthur is certainly under the microscope, but also Mitchell Moses. I'd like to see some of these players, such as Junior Paulo, really step up and try and, you know, try and protect uh, try and protect Mitchell. Um, yeah, Junior's going to have to have a really big year if Parramatta are going to do what they want to do, and that's go out and, and hopefully, you know, win a premiership for their fans, um, you know, in Reed Marnie's last year. So, yeah, definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. 
All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're going to continue to keep our eye on the international game, obviously with the World Cup around the corner. And this week, we're going to be looking at the Samoan team. Uh, Alicia, the question I've got for you this week is, yeah, pick a player. Who is your player to watch in that Samoan uh, team? You know, a lot of talent in this in this, uh, in this this group. Um, who you got your eye on moving into next year? 100% it's uh, Jerome Luai. Um, and the reason for that is I remember he got named in the 2017 World Cup squad for Samoa and he hadn't played an NRL game yet and he was the only one without without a cap um, at both, obviously, international and NRL level. And everyone was like, who is this guy? It was a young Penrith junior coming through. Um, he got picked up, I think it was, by Matt Parrish um, just to come on, probably not even playing a game. Um, but he did. He ended up making his debut. And I remember grabbing him after the Penrith presentation night. He just he got um, named that day. So I thought I'll grab him at the, pre- the presentation night. And he was just this young, fresh baby, Jerome Luai, who was just, like, so excited that he was about to represent, um, you know, his native country in Samoa and his parents' um, country. So I know he's been thought about, about, you know, playing with Mal in the Australian Kangaroos and it's going to be such a sort of tug of war, but I would love to see him you know, and guys like Stephen Crichton and Spencer Lenu, like really pull on those Samoa colours and, and get get that country back to where they should be because obviously Tonga's taken the headlines and stolen the spotlight, but I think Samoa's got a team that, you know, led by Jerome Luai could be really something special in the in next year's World Cup. And that's what I want to see. Um, and, I, and I think I've, I've spoken about this in past episodes. If you're not in the 17, I, I you know, I know Australia's got to take a squad over, but, you know, to your point... You know, Jerome, you know, he might get that token game against PNG, you know, that, that one game in the tournament for, for the Aussies. But, you know, th- this is a player who could, you know, obviously play every game for Samoa, be an absolute leader. And who knows, um, you know, the, the player that I'm going to pick out is potentially his halves partner, and that's Anthony Milford. Um, this is going to be, you know, you talk about make or break years in terms of his career. Now, Anthony Milford, we know his background in terms of all of his skill, all of his ability and the challenges that he's had in Brisbane. This is his fresh start. This is his ability to kind of, get that Benji Marshall refresh, uh, you know, in the South Sydney Rabbitohs um, system. So for me, I, I think this is a really good opportunity for Anthony to kind of refine himself or establish himself in the NRL. And what that means for the World Cup, I think that could be huge for Samoa. You know, a fully fit and firing Anthony Milford alongside Jerome Luai. Um, yeah, why not? I, I think I think this team could do some damage. And, you know, you've only got to take it back to this year. You know, the Johns boys, they were pretty keen. Sonny Bill Williams, there were a few people who really wanted in on this uh in on this football team because I think from the outside looking in, we can see that this this is this is a team that could pull a, a huge upset next year. Absolutely. I think, yeah, they've got a lot of upside to them. It's just like, I guess, I know there's a lot of politics involved with Samoan Rugby League as well, which I think if they can settle that, um, there's plenty of people willing to help. And, you know, I think they should be a lot higher, honestly, where they are now. But, um, you know, they've got... 12 months to sort of get it all sorted before they, they do go away with hopefully a really strong squad. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Alicia, uh, thank you for tonight. One-on-one. Really enjoy these episodes uh, talking all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please download, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. We won't hesitate to break down the garden gate. There's not much-
much time left today. 